Och ei, the guten Abend, ich bin Susi Wolf. Das time has come for ich to see a Wiedersehen to motor and sport. Das ist right, Paul. Ich bin retiring and going back to obscurity. Or as we say in Germany, DTM. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, he's Richard. Hello. And will you welcome a return to Gareth Jones on Speed from Alex Guy. Hi, man. Hello. How are you doing? It's the first time you've been in on Speed HQ. We spoke to you at Le Mans, but you do listen to the show. so I, I do listen a lot. I've been with you in spirit for many, many years, so it's an unbelievable honour to actually be here. It's a greater honour for us to have you on the programme. Otherwise, there would have been a gap, because Zog is editing, I think, isn't it? Editing his life today. That's why he can't be here. <laughs> He's a busy man being busy, and there was a slightly less busy man being not so busy. So, hi, everyone. With the number 13 on the back, here he is. <laughs> As you know, you listen to the show. We usually start with a bit of F1 update. And in the last week, we had Nico winning and the Mexican Grand Prix. Richard, which one of those two things was the better thing? Well, the Mexican Grand Prix was the Grand Prix in Mexico. Not the most exciting race, but I like the look of it. It was all very jazzy on telly, and I liked the ticker tape at the end. Did I like the fact that all F1 journalists on Twitter and everyone who presented the television coverage kept telling you how much fun they were having in Mexico only a week after they'd been telling us how much fun they were having in Austin? I hate them. And it becomes a little bit like, well, yes, fine, all right. But well, you do wonder whether they'd just been having fun for a week and they couldn't quite say, well, we got drunk in this place and we got really drunk in this place and then we got <laughs> on a plane and then we got really drunk in Mexico and now, hi, welcome to Mexico. We've been having all of the fun. I think they should have had peyote. I think they should have made the journalists have peyote and report on the race. It's like a butterfly. It's like Nico Rosberg was beautiful. I mean, that's what Mexico is all about, isn't it? I mean, you is been, it? Have I you been there? No, I've never been Have to Mexico. Have you been to Mexico? I've never been to Mexico. Oh, it's a marvellous place. I've been to the southwestern United States and I've been to a marvellous Mexican restaurant in North London. So I feel like I've been there. Practically there, there, yeah. Mole chicken with sort of chocolate sauce. And you speak the language and everything. I do, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently so. I went to a restaurant in Monterey once called The Baby Goat. I was invited to this restaurant, The Baby Goat. Great. What what do they serve there? Yeah, exactly. That's what they served. And that was all they served baby goats and as a vegetarian it was a little tricky for me being there baby goat so as in lamb is baby sheep yeah so just sort of tender yeah the thing is goats are there's no love in a goat aren't aren't they? goats yeah, goats yeah. are like the evil twin of sheep yeah they've got a darkness in the eye haven't they well you they turn do, your yeah. back on a goat and it's chewing the bottom of your coat so yeah, true i yeah. feel like i'm writing a children's book if accidentally <laughs> i turned my back on a goat and they found it was chewing my coat. But this is, this is the thing, that goats are... You are you they're are not the, the most likeable of animals, are they? So, you know, if they want to offer up their offspring to a Mexican restaurant, then fair enough. But they love their racing in Mexico. They love... They've supported IndyCar. And they've got, like, a Mexican version of NASCAR going over there. They love their motorsport. And most of the best American drivers are all Mexicans. So no wonder Austin was empty this year and the new race in Mexico was full because all the Mexicans who usually go to Austin stayed at home for the race. Or probably travelled back to Mexico for the race because they work in America. 
like most. Uh, Did you notice the? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. hastily backed out of that one before saying there was a gag, but then we stopped. Having worked on Top Gear, I can't say anything about no Mexico. Do you know though? I can say something because we got into a lot of trouble for saying some things about Mexico on the show, which we probably shouldn't have said. But there was a happy ending to that, which wasn't much reported. The reason it all kicked off is because the Mexican ambassador didn't normally watch Top Gear. However, he happened to be watching it that night and went, what? And I think some of the presenters might have said that the Mexican ambassador wouldn't be watching because he'd be asleep in a chair under a tree With or a something. Sombrero. A bit I, I, dodgy I, about that. I, I believe uh, the word feckless was banned. I wish yeah, meant to say that. Thank you, yeah, Alex. Yeah. But... The Mexican ambassador turns out to be an extremely nice man. And although he was disgruntled at first, he realised that there was a point at which it was best if we all just made friends. And he invited the Top Gear presenters to the embassy for a drink. And he got them royally drunk on extremely high-quality tequila. And they had a lovely time. But I I couldn't say that. But uh, (laughs) I'm not sure you should say that the Mexican ambassador has his own supply of peyote in his London residence. But he's a a top man. And he just went bygones. And he got them drunk. And so fair play to the Mexican ambassador. I don't know his name. I don't know if he's still the incumbent Mexican ambassador. But I always thought very highly of him for that. You have to give someone credit. If someone has a pop at you and you just go, you know what, let's resolve this over an enormous quantity of alcohol always the right way that's okay. how wars are stopped and yeah. if you still don't like one another afterwards at least you had a good to average night <laughs> <laughs> did you notice the truck at Mexico the camera truck for the podium I, yes you did yes Alex I know you didn't see this I was hung over and in a corner weeping you'd been out bit. with the Mexican ambassador again hadn't you it does happen quite a lot he's really lovely you can never say to your wife or girlfriend that you're going for a quiet drink with the Mexican ambassador because yeah. you'll go oh yeah I know what he's like yeah, that guy. I did. It was basically, it was a Ford F, I think F250, maybe, a mid-size one. From what period, though? It was kind of... From the like, 90s. Yeah. And it just sort of had, like, some crude scaffolding on the back, and they drove it onto the track to give the uh, camera, camera people yeah. the vantage point they needed for the podium, because yeah. the podium was not over the pits as it normally is. The podium was out sort of halfway round. Because yeah. I was thinking, what are they going to do? Yeah, yeah. Are they going to drive into the pits? And is there some kind of network of tunnels that will allow you to pop out <laughs> in that baseball stadium? But no, the top three had to drive halfway around and then stop. It was bizarre. They stopped the cars out in literally what was a baseball stadium area, didn't they? But the truck was magnificent because you know how in Shanghai, the design of the circuit, if you like the backstage area, the paddock, is designed to mimic the Yu Gardens. It's classically Chinese. And in the Korean race, they've got this bridge over the circuit that mimics Korean design. Covered in moss now, though, isn't it? Yes, yes it's empty and bleak. <laughs> but the Mexicans, instead of sort of mimicking their own culture, they actually turned up in a lovely battered old pickup and parked it in pole position. It was great. It's the classic sort of pickup that you see with those sort of wooden extensions on the back that allow it to carry anything up to, I don't know, a 1,000 watermelons or 20,000 Mexican labourers. Well, I did think it looked like the kind of truck I've seen parked outside well-to-do properties in Los Angeles because somebody's having their garden done. Exactly. As they do in Los Angeles with Mexican people in a large Ford pickup truck that appears to be held together with gaffer tape. And there was a bit of gaffer going on with that thing. But at the same time, I was thinking, well, 
what else were they going to do? Because mm-hmm. they were um, in the middle of nowhere. There's yeah. no cameras. And that's the thing. The ideal camera vantage point was on the track. Perfect. Can't have a camera position there during the race. Get it a watermelon truck. Yeah. Watermelon truck, problem solved. But F1 is in good shape. I think going to Mexico is a great thing. I know you were sick of hearing how much fun the journalists were having there, but it looked like a proper party. And of all the races I've seen recently, that's the one I really want to go to. Mexico. It wasn't a great race, but it didn't matter. They were having such fun chanting, Checo, Checo, for anything up to six hours. Well, if there was one complaint I had about the Mexican Grand Prix, apart from the fact that it wasn't very interesting was that all the other drivers didn't just let Perez go through and win. Because I think it would have made the atmosphere so enjoyable that it really wouldn't have mattered. If they just got what really what the authorities and what Bernie should have done is just say, look, do you know what? This is a no points race. No one's scoring any points from this. This is just a good time race. It's like an exhibition race. It's a friendly, if you like, like they do in football. The competition has been won. Yes. Let the man win. Yeah. Exactly. Just Give let the Perez have his moment. Exactly. Give the crowd this moment of glory. Well, Nico had his moment of glory on this occasion. One of those rare moments we managed to beat the driver you dislike most in Formula 1. Is that fair to say, Alex? Lewis Hamilton is an incredibly talented driver. I Fact. I can never dispute his skill. It's just his general personality and being that I dislike. Really? Also, his fans. His fans... Do my nothing. I went to see a race, I think, last year. There's a thing called Badger GP. It's brilliant. They, they assemble a large group of people in a room. You watch the race. There's quizzes. There's prizes. And I was trying to watch the race. And all the way around me, either side, people going, Go on, Lewis! And it just got to the point where I just wanted to hurt myself or them to make it stop. Are you sure they were motorsport fans? They weren't fans of ITV detective-based dramas. Is it an ITV drama, Lewis? It was, wasn't it? It was, it was yeah. It was a spin-off from Inspector Morse. That's it. That was yes. ITV, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. I thought you were you going sure? to say that they were enormous fans of 70s professionals actor Lewis Collins. Oh, well, yeah, they are around. You do hear them screaming. Uh, it would have been quite <laughs> weird if they were shouting it, it, during it, the race. Unless they were watching an old rerun of The Professionals well, if, on if, a different if, screen. If they were on their iPads, but they were also wearing wearing Mercedes quasi-futuristic silver clothing. Oh, that's the clue. But, you know, I can't say anything against Lewis's driving. It's the way he conducts himself on various social medias. The whole Wimbledon thing just does my head in. Just learn how to dress yourself. Or they were watching a very, very highly strung Celtic football match between two Scottish islands, and they were all... (laughs) incredibly partisan it's possible it is possible but no he's an amazing driver just something about his very being irritates me if it's he... probably because I will never be as good as him so who's your favourite probably... F1 driver then someone who clearly you think you're better than <laughs> I will never think I'm better than this man but it's probably quite I mean possible. from all time not just current but who do you like in F1 oh no I love Kimi Raikkonen ah. I want to give him a big hug oh, but I know he, he just kind of stand that. there static no. yeah. looking at me going what is he doing please get off me now Leave me alone. I don't know I what you're make doing. It <laughs> my work from now on to engineer a situation in which you're able to give Kimi Raikkonen an awful man hug, which he will not enjoy. You know what? He might not, but I will. And I think the ex-car viewers would relish seeing that, yeah. I think they would. I don't think they like the fact that I don't like Lewis Hamilton, but I like him as a driver. The thing is, it's that horrible duality of, like, you're brilliant at what you do, yeah. but as a person... I don't think I'd enjoy being in the same room. I've been in the same room as Lewis Hamilton, clang, and uh, <laughs> and he was quite charming. Is he? Yeah. Is he a nice person? Yeah, I think he's all right, actually. 
This was in a Top Gear setting. Right. He was very excited to be on the show, and he was really nice. Good handshake as well. Is it a strong handshake? Is it yeah. too strong, or is it just strong but, enough but you to know not what? make you feel intimidated? Yeah, no, that's exactly that. It's the handshake of a man who knows he doesn't have to try too hard. You know, when you meet yeah. blokes, and they, I read this about Richard Branson. He never shakes hands with people because he's sick of meeting like men in lifts who go, "Richard, I'm a businessman myself," and then they try and crush his hand to oh. show how business-like they are, and he can't bear it. So he always just goes high and just sort of does a high five or something. Yeah, look at my sweater. And uh, <laughs> Lewis look at Hamilton my amazing has the beard. Yes, I'm look. like a lion, yeah. <laughs> but moneyed, like a sexy Caribbean island-owning lion. But Lewis Hamilton had the handshake of a man he doesn't have to try too hard I've also shaken hands with Valtteri Bottas now there's a handshake that could chop logs Is it, well, probably does in yeah. the same room Felipe Massa soft limp handshake oh that's and disappointing that's all you need to know I shook hands with Michael Schumacher once. Did you? Yeah, it was a very, very disappointing experience. There really? were he, yeah, he did not want to engage with me physically. Uh, I've shaken hands with very few racing drivers. I've shaken hands with the Porsche Le Mans team last year's. Oh, yes. Weber, amazingly good handshake. Yeah, I knew he's, he'd have a good handshake. He's got a good handshake. Brendan Hartley. Yeah, an enthusiastic one. An enthusiastic, slightly loving handshake. Loving? Ooh. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Dumas? Yeah. Strong, firm. He's the kind of guy that rallies GT3 RSs. Was it dry as Was it bone dry as well? It very, was very formal. It was, it was just clear. A bit, it was a bit crazy. That's what it was. Really? He was great. Also, Matt Housen from KCMG. Strong handshake. A winner's handshake. Mm. If you've shaken <laughs> hands with a racing driver, do write to Gareth Jones on Speed and let us know how it was. Or subscribe to shakinghandswithracingdrivers.com. That sounds so faintly mucky for some reason. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like a very distinct fetish that I don't want but kind of have. <laughs> Hello, Adrian Louis here, your willing digital servant. I'm here to remind you that on the 16th of January 2016, Gareth Jones on Speed takes over the London Welsh Centre for an event called 10 Years on Speed. The evening will feature a live recording of a unique episode of the show, which you can take part in. There will be appearances by special guests, plenty of Welsh beer, Wrists, and for the first time ever a performance of on-speed songs by a live band featuring Gareth, Richard and Zag. And if I can find the right power adapter, I will be there too. Ten years on-speed, you know you want to be there. Tickets go on sale in the second week of November. For more information go to garethjones.tv 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 Good morning, Em. 007, you're late. Sorry, Em. I had a... Simply enormous amount of lager last night. Hmm. Well, pull yourself together, Bond. We've identified a new threat. And it's to Aston Martin. A threat to Aston Martin? From who, Em? He's a lethal genius. And all our intelligence tells us he's out of control. Blofeld? Drax? 
that chap from the film with the Renault 11 in Paris? No, Bond. We believe his name is Pastor Maldonado. I was fascinated to read this week that Renault, who reported to be taking over what was called the Lotus team in Enstone, have placed some of their staff already in Enstone. I think this is a mistake. They're doing due diligence at the moment. They're trying to work out whether it's worth them having the Lotus team, rebranding it as Renault like it was in previous generations. But I wouldn't put any money into this. I certainly wouldn't put my staff working there until that due diligence is over. Lopez, who owns most of that team, is a very shrewd businessman. And I reckon any due diligence could show that most of the team is owned by, I don't know, a a dog registered in Dubai or something. I think Renault are... Very tricky area there. Do we want Renault back in F1? Yeah, I guess so. I'm intrigued about this because I suppose perhaps the Renault people, if this is true, that they're doing their own due diligence. Maybe they've been given, as you do when you buy a house and you get a list that says, oh yeah, the seller's going to include the curtains Mm. and these light fittings. And then you move in and you find that they've nicked them. Uh, and maybe they're doing that. Mm-hmm. It says you have this amount of carbon fibre, you do not. And also, I'd like to know the journalist who wrote the story. It's like how they figured out there are Renault personnel in there. Are they wearing like Renault branded jumpsuits? They're bright yellow, like from the eighties. No, they're, they're going. There are an abnormal number of Lagunas in the car. Park. <laughs> Why is one that? Of, one of them has a Laguna Coupe. That looks. Yeah, like no a, one bought a no Laguna one Coupe. No. That looks a bit like an Aston Martin. I thought they were buying Force India. Wait a <laughs> second. <laughs> There's a new espas in the car park. That's not even sold in the UK. And it's on Parisian plates. What uh, are you playing at? The local deli shops, the sandwich shops in Enstone. Oh, yes, we had a chap in here the other day. Lovely fella. He said he, he was from Oxen, but he had a very unusual accent. I don't know why I'm a brummy and I'm working over here, but we travelled, left the city for the countryside. There are going to be French people it all over Enstone. I want a bat. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know what was going on but it was delightfully said <laughs> sales of gitans have gone up 400% why would that be well the journalist gone I looked through the window of the factory and a lot of the people who were talking were waving their arms around I can only surmise that they're French I was walking through central London today and I heard a lot of French being spoken really yeah and genuinely and I was thinking for yeah. a period I still felt like everyone I walked past was speaking French Oh. Which is interesting. Renault are everywhere now. They're everywhere. Yeah. It's a nice language to hear being spoken, mm-hmm. isn't it, French? And it's, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's quite a pleasant watching, language to listen to. But it knows you doesn't want you. What are they up to? Maybe maybe <laughs> Renault's buying London instead because... It thinks we don't want an espace. I want an espace. Have you seen the new espace? I saw one in a car park in Spain. It was great looking. It's a nice looking car. Yeah. Did I say this on the show about I was poking around one and also that talisman, what is the new Lagoon? Yeah that we're not getting here. And the interior, you know, it's quite nice and it's got that portrait aspect, touchscreen, which is going into loads of cars now and McLaren stuff that, didn't they? And it's always a very logical way of doing it in a car and it's nice and it all seems to work and the graphics quite good, but it's just not quite there. It's not quite the full VW. And what brought it home to me was there's a little cubby hole by the electronic handbrake and it's flock-lined, like on a VW or an Audi. I poke my hand in it and I touch the flock and it's cut price flock. Cheap it's flock. Not, it's yeah, it's cheap. It's market stall flock, and oh. you just know it's like if you cut the budget on the flock, 
what else have you cut the budget on? Because let's not forget Ferdinand not Pierre, is it, the nut job who was in charge of VW and may yet be in charge again <laughs> after his mysterious phone calls. He said that the reason the Golf had a flock line glove box was so that people would go, wow, if they've spent this much time on the glove box, imagine what the inside of the engine's like. As we now know, the inside of the engine is surprisingly, lying. Surprisingly economical. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Distract them with flock. So are we going to get a Renault Formula One car that the cockpit's going to be lined with cheap flock is that what you're saying well now how much flock is there in motorsport and should there be more there should be more there should definitely be more the inside of a Jaguar XJ's glove box is lined with purple yes as are the pillars on the XF if I remember purple flock yeah I just thought it was on you can only have it as well weirdly if you ordered your XJ in uh, black oh really and then you got Mm. the central bin and the glove box in purple flock Mm. as a little nod to a Paul Smith suit Oh. Is that because Mr. Cullum likes Paul Smith? I would guess so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it was a cheeky sort of, but disappointingly, only on a black car. But the idea being, it's like having a black suit with a bright lining. It's like, ah. oh, look at me, how sober and sensible I am. And then, wah, look how crazy I am. When I'm zany. Exactly. Yeah. Formula One is undergoing small change at the moment. You see the way I discreetly pulled that back from mm. Paul Smith's suits? To it was, it was a powerful one. link. Oh, yeah. You know, I make no excuses for steering the ship into a wall. The, um, <laughs> the harbour wall. <laughs> hey, very good. With purple flock all uh, over. Formula One is potentially changing again. Two things notable. One, the introduction which we talked about of this, what they're calling the client engine, which Honda rather wittily said this week that they didn't approve of. They didn't think it was a good idea. Why would that be, do you think, Richard? Any idea why? I don't know. It's like owning a shop and going, yeah, we don't approve of selling stuff. And yeah. it's not because we have no customers. It's just because <laughs> we hate people. <laughs> it, it, uh, yes, there's reasons to sell. Reason for, why? Yeah. And the other one, which Alex mentioned briefly, was the threat of Aston Martin being the Force India team from now on. How do you feel about Force India? Do you care about Force India, Alex? Is it a team you could get passionate about? No, I couldn't get passionate about Force India, but a couple of my friends, John and Phil, many moons ago when I did a podcast, they were deeply, deeply passionate about Force India. So much so that... Hello, Hello, Finn. (laughs) So much so that my mate Phil bought... I know, it's a shocking story, Finn. (laughs) So much so that Phil spent £65 on a Force India polo shirt that he thought was 25 but with all of the taxes and all the cost to get it from actual India, he got it and he still wears it. It's a bit tighter than it used to be. Why does he love Force India? I mean, you can understand people loving Aston Martin, Lotus. I think it it was years and years ago now. But he loved Force India, so the idea of... His favourite Formula One team, and every time we watch a race, he kind of peels this thing on. But now the idea of it being Aston Martin and me being an enormous British car person, I might actually have to agree with him on the best Formula One team, which will obviously be Aston Martin Racing. But how do you feel about a team which has got no historical links with a brand in the way that the whole Lotus, what was Renault, what was Benetton. That whole mess. Yeah. How do you feel about Aston Martin being literally painted on a car which has about as much Aston Martin DNA as uh, Simon Templar's car? You don't know who Simon Templar is, do you? Neither yes, the you. saint. Oh, yeah, you do? We were oh, just I talking about him yeah. on the way here. Oh, we were, cool. actually, yes. I, uh, I, he never drove an Aston. No, he drove a Volvo, which was made yeah. by Jensen. Yeah. So badly that Volvo removed the contract from Jensen after way less than their required 10,000 units and took it back to Volvo land. Correct. 
and made the uh, P1800S. Uh, that's right. And then they made the ES, which was this horrible shooting brake thing that I'm <laughs> sure you <laughs> love. <laughs> Ooh, ah, hit, hold him. I want to punch him. Hold him. Hold him. I'm sure you love, leave. but it doesn't look good. Because oh, they, 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 they ate Come the on. wings up with a horrible roof box thing. Fine. It's lovely. No, it's, it's a hybrid. Not. No, no, no. But, but no. You, you support the Aston Martin 4th India team. Oh, hell yeah, I would. Richard, would you? No. But don't oh, buy it. I'd be there waving the flag going, Yay, Aston! I can't wait for DB11! And at the same time, we would be going, Jensen, do well. Yeah, I just... Uh, <laughs> what, Jensen buying a, a... Oh, I see Jensen Button. Yeah. I don't get this. I just don't see what benefit it has for them because Force India are a mid-ranking team at best. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't reflect well on them. I sort of think that Aston Martin giving a load of cars and making a bespoke car for a James Bond film, and I know it's sort of hackneyed Bond and Aston Martin, but it, 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 it is works. a well-known association. Yeah. That film will be seen all around the world. The car in that new Bond film is a spectacular-looking thing. It is. And did you see there was this leak? Oh, it's something that was actually... Remember when Sony got hacked and all the emails from the movie studio got out? There's something that people have gone back to now, which is that a mobile phone company offered to pay a load of money for Bond to have. I think it was Sony phones. Mm. And Sam Mendes, the director, and Daniel Craig obviously have a lot of executive power. And they said, we're not comfortable with this because we believe that Bond should only have the best. And we don't think these phones look like the best. Wow. So and, we're not happy with it. And if you've seen the ads on bus stops and what have you, there's Money Penny with a phone that is set well, to um, seven minutes past midnight because it's one extra zero, yeah. but it's close enough. It's all horrible, isn't it? And there's that story as well that Heineken put in cash to all of the Daniel Craig films, but Heineken wasn't seen on screen in the first two because Barbara Broccoli said no because she hates the colour green. Yes, Have you heard this I saw that. Yeah, she can't stand the colour green, and it was only Skyfall that he was there swigging after a one-night stand on a beach hut, if I remember. Yeah. Like swigging a beer going, it's five in the morning, it's beer o'clock. Well, exactly, because otherwise, kind of man. I'm in a casino, I'll have a vodka martini shaker. Actually, do you know what? No, screw it, I'll just have a lager. Uh, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work. Can I get high in a brew? Because I really yeah. can't be bothered I, I, with I, all the, the time. It takes just, a lot of time. It's really humid outside. I'll just something to quench my thirst. I'll just have a fizzy lager, please. Yeah. And then maybe a vodka martini later. But that's the thing. The sort of bond association with all the coolest and the best and Aston Martin, that's a good association. You know what? Formula One, plodding around in the middle, sometimes accidentally bumping into somebody else. You know, at the moment, it seems like Mercedes are doing quite well as a Formula One because, of course, they're the best and the top and the tippity-toppitest, and it's good. And Ferrari, they kind of make their own world, don't they? Ferrari is Ferrari. You know what would happen, though? Wouldn't if Aston did become the new brand for the Force India team, they'd have to continue some sort of ownership, the way that these things work in Formula One. No one ever completely absorbs a team anymore. You kind of take it bit by bit. I'm concerned that Bond will end up having to drink Kingfisher Lager in the next film as a result. Well, Bond Goes for a Balti is the working title of the next film. Bond's been seconded <laughs> to Sutton Coalfield and he's just meeting some mates for a curry on Broad Street. All right, James, should we go for a rugby and talk about the planet? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's a film I'd watch.
Welcome to the announcement of the very latest lightweight Yamaha sports car project using the unique lightweight technologies developed as part of the lightweight ice cream project created as part of a vision for a lightweight future envisioned by the very master of lightweight thinking whom we welcome to the stage right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the lightweight visionary professor, Gordon Murray. Oh, he's floated away. Gareth Jones on speed. I think it's a kind thing to do to our new co-host on the show for tonight that we ought to hand over this section of on speed to something that you used to do on your podcast. The Gas Station Podisode is a podcast, but an episode of it. So we mashed them all together and it became a podisode. But it was a section we called... In the style of Gandalf the Grey, cars what we have driven. And of the cars what you have driven recently, what is the second best one? Oh, the second best one. The thing is, I've driven three in the last week and a half. Oh, that's a good start. It was lucky and immensely stupid, and I'm mostly exhausted. But would you like to hear about the Audi R8, the Mazda MX-5, the new one, and the Mark 1, because they used to be mashed into one very wonderful ball, or... The 911 GT3 RS, the new one. Let me just have a conversation with my associate, Mr. Porter, mm-hmm. regarding this. If we talk about the Porsche, Zog will never forgive us. Mm, it's yeah. true. I am kind of intrigued about the Mazda. I'm also slightly intrigued in a very weird way about the Mazda because it's sort of attainable and it might be something that our listeners might actually go out and buy. Ask him to talk about that. All right, I'll ask him to talk. Alex, would you talk to us about the Mazda? The Mazda, the Mark 1 or the Mark 4 or a little bit of both? Both, actually. A little bit of both. Do you love the Mark 1? Before last Thursday, to my eternal shame, I'd never driven one. I'd driven a Mark 3 several times. Right. And it was good fun. Yeah. But it was only in town. But I managed to find myself on a track with a Mark 1 and a Mark 4 and my limited driving skills. And the chap who owns the Mark 1 said, it's one of the oldest ones in the country and it's mid-restoration, so whatever you do, don't drive it too hard and keep it on the temperature gauge. Uh, the steering might go. Theory. Sounds like a classic British sports car. They have the certainly captured that. might go. What? A little bit, yeah. Where? It's, well, he bought it 10 years ago for about 1,200 quid, and he's kept it for 10 years, and it's basically been his let's go out and have fun. So he just messes around in it. Was it a UK car? Yeah, yeah. Oh. A really early UK car. Not a BBR turbo? No, 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 no. no. Pure and unmaintained until very recently. And I've had fun on tracks. I've had fun in cars, but that thing was brilliant. Why? It's a 10 tenths car. Oh, okay. You yeah. can do whatever you want to it. Yeah. yeah. And because it has such little power and because it's so springy and wobbly, you can be an idiot like me and put your foot in and hope for the best. And the best just happens. Uh-huh. The back will go out and then it'll just come back in going, you've had your fun now. Enjoy it. Now, straight line, just over there. Just up there, there's another corner over there. We can do this again. It was brilliant. Richard always says that MX-5 owners, probably most of them, never driven anything else. I remember you saying, and they waxed lyrical about these cars. I remember you saying, say you said this on this very show. That was you. You're the guy with the beard who does sniff petrol. Yeah? Uh, it's you. Am I? Oh, go on. Yeah. Anyway. They can be infuriating. I've never I driven. I don't remember saying any you of did? those things. Yeah. David Stebbings will know exactly at what point in which episode Step up, Stebbings. Said that. I don't remember this. Yeah, it was early on, I think. But I've never driven one, and that was the first time you'd driven one. First time I've driven a Mark 1. Mm. I've driven a Mark 3 before, but it was only around town, and it was good fun, but I didn't quite get it. It was when I had free reign to do whatever the hell I wanted, yeah. with no one saying, 
don't do that apart from watch the temperature gauge because it might explode. Then I got it. Uh-huh. You have to drive one and you have to drive one within your limits because I'm not a driver. I don't do the helmsmanry and the sideways. And I just can't do it. But you could push it and you could play with it and it was such a tactile experience. Because the whole story behind the MX-5 is that a motoring journalist said to a Mazda exec, you should make a car like the British sports cars of old. And they went, whatever. And then he was working for them and they suggested this and then magic happened. The next thing you know, the MX-5 appeared and the cliche goes, the best British sports car is actually the Mazda MX-5. And it's actually true. It's not really a Japanese car, it's an American car, yes. really, isn't it, the MX-5? Yeah, with the original one was designed in yeah. California. Bob yeah. Hall, wasn't he? He was the mm. American journalist. Yeah. yeah, But the new one is shorter, narrower and Definitely more gorgeous shorter. than any MX-5 that's gone before, isn't it? It's an angry-looking thing, it's a grumpy-looking thing, but I kind of like that. Uh-huh. And the one I had was the 2-litre Sport Nav, and it was in the red that you see in all the adverts and all the billboards, and it had a sat-nav and dab radio and heated seats. The sat-nav on the way to Wales, on the way to our track, decided, because we went through an average 50-speed limit zone somewhere on the M4, and it decided that everywhere afterwards was an average 50-limit zone. So for about 40 miles afterwards, it was telling me to slow down because I was doing 70. And even when I was doing four miles an hour in a service station to get a coffee and have a wee it was telling me I was going too quickly, even while stationary. I wanted to punch it. Justifiably. Did you have the roof off at every opportunity? No, because I'm a pansy. No, yes. I don't believe that for one minute. You've met me. True. Actually, I believe that for two yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Can't blame you for a second. But the new one, what they need to do is make sure each iteration of MX-5 feels just as brilliant as the last one. And this new one, having driven one of the very earliest and one of the very newest back-to-back, it's still got it. It feels a little safer. It feels a little quicker because it's got a bigger engine. This one of the 2-litre, 160-what-have-you engine but it felt so good you could play with it you could toy with it you could feel everything it was doing it was lovely it it's was, the first mx5 in three generations that i've looked at and thought oh yeah that's nice yeah. i thought the previous ones had really lost it in a bizarre kind of same thing happened to the nissan micro kind of way <laughs> yeah it looked a bit amphibious that last yes time. a yeah. nice description yeah because i didn't like because like, weirdly i can fill in the gaps on the mx5s you haven't driven because i've yeah. driven the mark ii my first experience <laughs> of the mx5 when they were contemporary and I just thought it was fantastic particularly they did a special edition sort of quite vibrant blue paint it was the first one that had the six speed box and it was just lovely it was a fabulous little car and then that Mark 3 came along and it just felt a bit flabby somehow see the pre-facelift Mark 3 had that lovely little face that looked like was it the Ibuki concept this is like yeah something like that they had that kind of happy little yeah yeah, they grinned that happy little face Mm -hmm. and I love the look of it but the later ones they sorted out the handling and made it a bit better and a bit lower and a bit less wobbly and wibbly and horrible that one looked a bit rubbish I think I wanted the look of the pre-facelift and the feel of the post-facelift but now I want a Mark IV but I also want a Mark I because they're actually quite cheap yeah. 1,500 quid if you work hard to find one. Oh, I think you can get it for less than that. Yeah, you can get it for a lot less, but you have to work very hard to find one that tops a really good one. Quid. A mate of mine's got one. He's got a late Mark One in British Racing Green, 
And Town interior? No, because I think that was only on the Japanese cars, or oh, special maybe. editions. They did a million special editions, didn't they? Yeah. There was an MX-5 California, the MX-5 Sasquatch, the MX-5 Miami. Sasquatch? Imagine <laughs> And they went a limited edition crazy, in a way not seen since the Citroen Saxo. And or the Mini. <laughs> or the Mini, yes. The, the, or, the Mini or the Citroen X. Or, yeah. The Mini Camden, the Mini Pimlico. The mini... Uh, Stoke Newington. Stoke Newington, <laughs> yes. It's got a wheatgrass beer bar in it. Um, but the MX-5 uh, that my friend's got, it's got loads of miles on it, got a little bit of rust bubbling through, and he keeps saying, I'm going to get something different, I'm going to get something different, you know, maybe I'll get a new MX-5, and he just do. can't get rid of it, because it never lets him down. He sent me a text the last time he had it MOT'd and serviced, because of how little it cost him. And we worked out that perhaps give it a couple of years and the car will actually be making him money because it seems like it's almost defying all logic on how little it costs to run. And he loves it every time he drives it. They so are what to get except just keep it? They are appreciating in value. Mark 1 MX-5s are getting more and more valuable. Not by much, but by enough. So he is making money on it. Give, Damn you, Chris Richards! Given a usable rear-wheel drive chassis, some medium-intermediate-level technology, a roof that comes off, and a good engine, how come people love the MX-5 more than the BMW Z3, now a Z4, and anything else that may have tried its hand at competing with It's just not as simple. No. The first Z3 went wrong because the tyres, well... It was a huge steering wheel and really fat tyres, which meant it had Mm -hmm. loads of grip, and actually one of the brilliant things about the MX-5 when it's good is that as you found out, yeah. it doesn't have a lot of grip. It has no. enough grip. It has enough grip. Yeah. And when it but loses it, it, it finds it again, yeah, but yeah. just enough so you don't yeah. die. Yeah, because you're not going brilliant. so fast that it doesn't stand the chance of scrabbling around and because of the power it doesn't have. Yeah, it's like the GT86. I think everyone said, oh, GT86 needs more power. Put more power in it, it wouldn't be as good a car. I'd love to drive a GT86, one, in proper anger and two, with more power to find out whether that's not true because every time I've driven one, it's been brilliant to a point and then you're like well shouldn't this be trying to kill me now and it just doesn't it just yeah, keeps yeah. going even though it's on Prius tyres I know a lot of people who've had a lot of fun with them yeah me too at the same time I still think the MX-5 edges it out I'm going to have to drive one aren't I you really are yeah. actually what I'd really like to try is the what are they calling it the RX Vision RX7 Vision what are they calling it I think it? it's just RX Vision at the moment RX Vision but the then thing, it turns the out that looks that like a Mercedes that y- a bit sort of yeah, also like maybe it. send a check to Ian Callum if you've got a minute kind yeah. of car yeah <laughs> and, uh, but do you know there was a quote in maybe Autocar or something the boss man of the whole RX thing I think has got a little bit of some sort of numerical OCD because someone said, well, you're going to call this car the RX-9. And he went, no, no, because RX-7, that had two seats. RX-8, that had four seats. If we called it RX-9, what's it going to have? Six seats? And it's like, well, no, that doesn't make any sense. It's going what to be a name of about? a car, you What moron. sort of mad integer in your head dictates the number of seats related to the name. What, they're going to call it the DB11, that new Aston Martin? It's going to be a coach? What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) I think he might need to have a rest. What's the other one they do? The CX-5 and the CX-7. The CX-7 came out first with five seats, but then the CX-5 came out also with five seats. I think he has a miserable time at work thinking about those cars. An MX-5? Oh, it should have one seat or no seats. I can't work this out. Aquinas never crashed. (laughs) That's what I thought, too. You've been listening to Richard Porter. Goodbye. To me, Gareth Jones, and to Alex Goy. Bye. Nice having you, Alex. Thank you very much for having me. It's a genuine honour to be here. So hello, listeners, and probably goodbye, listeners. Actually, more goodbye. It's me, Alex. Thank you for having us and everything. It's me, Marvellous. See you.
to send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!